Welcome to the Crazy Ike Fan Podcast. I'm your host, Teddy. No matter where you are, thanks for making this part of your day. Thanks for taking a listen. Hope everyone's doing well. Hope everyone had a great weekend. Uh, let's get to it, guys. All right, that was the podcast. Let me just, I'll just leave it at that. There's nothing much else I can say, so I'll talk to you guys later. Of course, threw in a little bit of a joke there. Hope everyone's doing well. Uh, let's get to it. Got a lot of ground to cover today. I'll try to cover it as quickly as possible. Um, first things first, let's talk about uh, what happened last week. Um, midweek, news broke that Almeida signed a new contract with Ike or an extension, what have you, um, through 2028. This kind of came as a surprise to me. You guys have heard me talk about on this podcast how I didn't think he was going to stay at Ike. For a very long time, I knew he would at least stay one more season to maybe if I qualify for Europe. Or let me rephrase that, we'll qualify for Europe, but qualify for a group stage of any of the competitions. Um, and then I figured he'd be gone after that. Uh, I'll get into the, the details of what I think is going to happen. Um, could be wrong. Um, first things first, shows that Almeida wants to be here. He's said nothing but the same thing, is that he loves where he's at. He wants to build something at Ike, et cetera, et cetera. Um, it shows that him and his team, because I feel like he can, he consults them as, as you know, um, and cares about their opinions and cares about having his team somewhere. Someone asked him, I heard the story in the Greek media yesterday when they were talking about it, how um, someone had once asked him, they're like, you know, what if a team from the Premier League calls you and says, you have to drop one of your assistants? And he says, plain and simple, without blinking an eye, he said, that means I'm not going. So uh, he's very loyal to his job, very loyal to the people that work around him. And I mean, this must mean, I mean, obviously, if the offer was on the table, he discussed it with these people. So it's very gratifying to know that Almeida likes Almeida and his his team of coaches uh, like where they're at. They must really like Greece. And what's there not to like? I mean, it's one of the, to us Greeks, obviously we're biased, but it's one of the most beautiful places on the planet. One of the most beautiful places to live in Europe. Um, you know, I mean, anywhere you go, any football team you, you go manage, there's always pressure to win. That's just a, a given. I don't care where you go across the planet. There's always that pressure to, to constantly win. Um, uh, but you know it's 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 really refreshing to to me even though this wasn't said that he they must enjoy living in Greece and um who knows i mean kanotos uh, stavrom as they say i'm making the sign of the cross hoping that uh he stays for a long time or keeping my fingers crossed hoping that he stays for a very long time um this at least means that uh he's going to hang around and and to make another point on this, I feel like he's not one of those managers that is just going to pull a Milojevic, is going to get another job and say, you know, I want to leave, or uh, is going to all of a sudden get a call from another club. Um, and obviously, given the fact that there's a 10 million euro clause, uh, whoever is going to want him is going to have to pay. Now, 10 million euros, yes, that's a lot of money. I think it's this is going to be the biggest contract, if I'm not mistaken, that a manager has ever received in Greece. And also, 
it's one of the biggest clauses, I think, for a manager in Greece. Uh, they're going to have to pay. But of course, when you're talking about that upper echelon of of leagues, that's, I mean, to us normal folks, 10 million euros is a lot of money. But to those clubs, even, you know, someone like, a, I don't know, I'm going to throw a name out there. Someone like a Bologna in Italy, it's not a lot of money for them to pay if if they really like the work that he that he does. And um, But I'm hoping he's going to be here for a while. We've seen the work that this guy does. I mean, we can't, we can't deny that how he's changed his team around. I feel like I say that every single week, uh, the football that we're playing, the togetherness that the players have, the just everything around this guy, um, seems to be a positive. And I'm, it's too early to tell. And I know in, in Greece, I'm hearing the, ch the chatter about this. And especially after yesterday's performance that people are excited about, European competitions next year and we could go far in Europe. I'm going to pump the brakes on that because of the simple fact, again, I have to reiterate this as I have in, in all season long, that our, our rating, our UEFA rating or whatever is not, our coefficient both as a country and as a team is not great. Um, so yes, Almeida can build a team that can, they can do some, no they can make some noise if we make it to a group stage, but if we're going to face someone like a, a very formidable opponent, you know, like a very good club, even a middle of the road, like Premier League club, for example, or middle of the road uh, club from Italy um, or from La Liga, it's, um, I just want to pump the brakes on that. I, I, I have the same belief. I have the same desire, the same belief that I would love to see what Almeida could do if we can make it to a group stage of any of the, of any of the, the tournaments. And I really do think an, an Almeida team, if he's given another offseason, and if, you know, I'm, I'm throwing out a lot of what-ifs here, but if we can build, build more on this team, then I even dare to say it. Like, if we get a lucky draw to make it to the group stages of the Champions League, I think this team could even make noise in the Champions League. I mean, we, we play that style of football. It's going to be very entertaining. Of course, we will need more pieces. The team's going to have to up their budget if that's the case, and they will up their budget if we make it to any of, I feel like, any of the group stages of any of the European tournaments. But I, I don't have high hopes of that happening. Let's say I think we have a less than 30% chance of that happening of us qualifying for the, for the group stage of the Champions League. Um, for the other European competitions, I think, uh, you know, it just depends on the draw. Uh, bottom line but I think he could make some noise at the same time like let's say hypothetically speaking we get into a European competition we start making some noise um like I said before I don't think I'll made as one of these managers that's just gonna up and leave in the middle of the season just because we're having a great season in Europe and he gets that phone call from whoever uh, just insert name here I don't want to keep naming teams or name somebody that people are going to message me and be like you're crazy thinking that Almeida is going to go to Juventus or whatnot. But also you have to think there's also so much scouting and data and in, in today's uh, football world that Almeida, yeah, I think people are keeping an eye on him. People are keeping an eye on him to see what he's going to do in Europe. People have already seen what he's going to do in Mexico, which is a tough league, a Liga Mexa. I think it's, per my opinion, I think the best league in here in North America. Um, and people have seen the work that he's done. So I still think scouters uh, 
GMs, what have you, people that run football clubs all over Europe are looking into him regardless on, on whether Ike do well in Europe next year or not. But I feel like if we do well in Europe, let's say he wins us a couple of trophies, not saying it's going to happen. Um, I still don't see him dropping out in the middle of the year. If, if he gets that phone call, I, I do feel like we'll have him for, you know, if, if this happens and he starts getting those phone calls uh, for the rest of the season. I don't see this guy, the way he treats his, his employees, essentially his co-managers, his assistant managers, his whole team. I don't see him saying, you know, screw it. And I'm going to leave. And at the same time, we have to be realistic in two things. One, at some point, bad results are going to come and bad results come into the playoffs because we're going to be playing constantly uh, beating each other up between the, the top teams in Greece. So in the Super League. So bad results could come. If those bad results come, I think one thing we need to do as the fan base is just take a step back and, and breathe and calm and just remember where we were a few years ago. Uh, that's number one. Number two, nothing good lasts forever. As much as I would love for him to stay to the end of 2028, I mean, it, it, it's just been proven in world football time and time again that, A, it's results-based. I mean, your results, you are what your results say you are. Uh, and we, we've seen great managers. I mean, like, you know, the manager for uh, Thomas, I don't want to butcher his name, guys, and forgive my pronunciation, Thomas Tuchel, who um, coached at Chelsea was ousted after winning a European trophy. You know what I mean? Like, uh, you look at the trouble that, uh, you know, two years ago, if you had asked Liverpool fans, they'd want Klopp to stay for an entire lifetime. There's very few managers out there that, but hold on, let me go back. They want Klopp to stay for an entire lifetime. And we see the type of football that, it, we see how, the, how dismantling, uh, how dismantled, Liverpool have become this year and that's for many different reasons you know the, the team finally starts to give up on a manager the the manager starts to give up on the club in world football today guys bottom line is a manager's not going to stay more than two or three years that's just you know you're, we're not going to see these long periods like we used to see with in Greek football back in, way back in the day with with Bayevich where he was at Ike for what was it like uh, five, six, seven years, maybe uh, my memory evades me. Um, or periods where, uh, you know, even in, in other leagues like Arsene Wenger or Sir Alex Ferguson, how they stayed for 20 plus years at their clubs. Um, I, I think that time period is over unless you're someone like Pep Guardiola, which we've also seen he's struggling this year in the league, at least. Um, so that's a couple things to keep in mind uh, and just to be patient with him because I think bad results will come. Uh, the team will, will lose form at some point, but very exciting that at least he's going to be here for sure. Uh, okay, if I were to make a prediction, unless we do something amazing next year, I could see him staying for two more seasons. And that just gives us stability. It gives us hope. It, you know, compared to what we've had over the past few years. Um, and uh, the work the guy puts in, the, the 
how passionate he is that comes through how even yesterday how I was watching a little bit um how he was still engaged in the game even after the game after Ike scored that third goal and I'll go into the game here in a second how he was still telling players what to do he was he still had that intensity on the sideline I love to see that because and and that comes through on the team you know you you guys that have watched football for years the the a well-managed team embodies their managers sometimes you know like I didn't want to stop scoring goals. They didn't want to stop scoring opportunities. You don't want to stop watching this club. How, like, we go back to last year, and this is why I keep reiterating this, and I'm going to reiterate it more when the team does start. Hopefully, fingers crossed, they will finish out the season very strong. But even if bad results start to come this season, I'll remind people that, you know, look at where we were a year ago, where you, I cringed wanting to watch this club last year. I remember one of the derbies against Olympiacos. I didn't even watch it. I listened to it on the radio because I was like, I, I don't want to watch this club. I don't want to watch them lose. I knew we were probably going to lose. Um, so let's just keep that in mind. Um, well, let's move on for here. Let me do my plugs beforehand. Uh, like my Facebook page, Crazy Ike Fan. Follow me on Twitter and on Instagram, at Crazy Ike Fan. Uh, sorry, I didn't tweet yesterday very much during the match, or I didn't tweet at all. Uh, it was just rough day, very busy around here. Um, you know, sick kids and whatnot. Just me also not feeling up to par, having a very busy morning. It was, you know, the game was like 9 a.m. our time here, which I know I shouldn't complain. I know some of you guys that live like in Australia, live in other parts of the world, you have to even get up earlier to watch matches. And 9 a.m., I'm not saying 9 a.m. is early. To no one that has children, 9 a.m. is early, but it was just, there was a lot going on. But I was able to watch most of it. Um, let me finish my plugs. Please subscribe and rate the podcast if you can, guys. And by the way, thank you so much for the support. It means a lot when you guys message me, when you tweet at me. Like, I love hearing that people enjoy the show. Um, it really gives me so much energy and, and, and um, desire to move on. Uh, keep doing this podcast and I really enjoy it. Some exciting things I'm going to start trying to work on. Uh, I'm Greek, so maybe this might take until the end of the season to do this kind of stuff. But I'm thinking about getting a little bit into writing and blogging um, slowly but surely. I think I'm going to write something about uh, Almeida and his extension, just more de more detailed. Whenever I get a minute, that'll be my first uh, thing that I write on my blog. Maybe, fingers crossed. And secondly, if you guys remember, when I started this podcast, I said that um, originally I had wanted to do like a YouTube channel and have be on live video. Uh, not live, but have a video. I think I might start doing like once or twice a week, maybe doing a little videos. I'm going to try to keep them within like 10, 15 minutes tops. Just talking about what's in the news for Ike that week, blah, blah, blah. I know I already do that on the podcast. And then eventually maybe move towards uh, both having video and audio of the podcast. We'll see. Fingers crossed. Just some things to give you guys a little bit of an update of something I might, I might work on. Um, but let's move on to the game, my guys. Um, well, what can you say? This game, nothing but balada, balada, balada. I mean, there's nothing else to say. Jeez, uh, I forgot to write down what time the goals went in. Well, hey, it was amazing to see four different goal scorers. That's 
it just means that I can score from anywhere. Um, yes, I understand we're playing a Panatolikos team that's reeling right now. They're, they're, they're struggling. They're inching closer to the bottom of the league. Uh, are, are really in bad form. That's, to be completely honest, I mean, Ofi put four past them last week. So, but it's in the style that we played. It's in the, I mean, you know, the first goal I remember specifically how it, um, some other player took a shot and the defender tried to clear it. And Araujo just was right outside of the box, barely stepped into the box and like one-timed the the shot. Beautiful goal. Just put it where Anesti, XI goalkeeper could not that you you weren't stopping that it was nice to see the captain get on the score sheet um second goal an amazing header by levy garcia who has that ability to just he the, i mean to put it in 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 american terms the guy's got hops i mean there's no other way to put it he can get up there and really score um and i did like levy garcia a lot i paid attention to him i did like his movement inside and outside the box Goals are going to come for this guy. I know I keep saying that. I know everyone in the Ike media, again, not that I consider myself part of the Ike media, but the goals are going to come and he, he should be at the striker position. Now I'm still hesitant whether he should be starting over Van Weert, but you know, it's also guys, we have to give credit where credit's due. Like Almeida's has forgotten more about football than I'll ever know. So we have to give him credit for, he's going to go with his best player. You know, he's going to go with the best player. He He's shown this year that I'm not going to go just with a player because of the name or because of, you know, he started the past few games. He's going to go with the most informed player. Uh, we were able to get that quick goal, which helped. It helped open up things a lot. Um, to get a second goal, you know, before the half was great. Uh, we gave up a very... Very stupid goal, um, stupid penalty, I should say. Rota, I mean, that was the one mistake the guy made yesterday, and I have to praise him. And this this kid, this kid, is impressing me more and more every week, with his intensity, with his style of play, how he's just. I feel like everything they probably practice do in practice, he's soaking up like a sponge. And I, I've seen him like get better and better and better. I think everyone else is seeing that too. And, and he's he's blossomed into a great footballer. There was even talks yesterday from a lot of uh, Ike media and Ike uh, based shows that I listened to that said, um, you know, he we could sell him at summertime. Um, but he's just really, really impressed me. Um, except for giving away that cheap penalty, which listen, I mean that, you know, you're supposed to put your, your uh, hands behind your back, but I mean, guys, it's just, it, I feel, I feel like it was something accidental that could happen to any footballer, could happen to any defender. Um, the one thing that I loved at that point was that even though we conceded that goal right before halftime and it made it 2-1, it, it's crazy how, the mentality of everything, the mentality of this club as a whole is just changing. Because you guys know, if this would have been last year and in Oaka and last year's team, you would have been like, oh no, here we go. I mean, I would have been afraid last year that, honestly, if Panatolikos comes back in the second half and keeps pushing or keeps playing us and our defense was as horrible as it was last year, or our reactions were as horrible as they were last year, 
that Panathinaikos could put two more past us, you know, and win the game. And it would be completely embarrassing. But with this team, the amount of chances they had created in the first half, the that's just pure, pure entertaining, attacking football they were playing was just, I was left speechless. And I was like, that's not going to happen. You know, I was um, getting my little one ready and we were trying to rush to... Um, the, the, the church that morning and I was still watching some of the game so I left around the 60th minute but uh you know to see I had this thought I was like oh man what if in the second half something happens for a brief second and I was like that's not gonna happen I literally my mind was like dude come to your senses like that's not gonna happen this team's gonna keep attacking we're gonna get more goals here and it's exactly what happened uh, it opened up within a matter of 10 minutes we got the last two goals. Pineda scored off a header, which I didn't see. I did catch the Amnabot goal because I was kind of, you know, getting ready and and watching the game kind of in the background. Um, so I didn't hear or see Pineda's goal. And I just happened to look at the score and I'm like, oh my gosh, it's 3-1. And then we were attacking and then bam, uh, Amnabot scores. Uh, to say, and, you know, and to keep up that pressure, to keep, then I was listening to, to the game on the way to church um, just how we kept up the pressure, how we had plenty of chances to score. And then the players that came off the bench, even though they're coming off the bench, they're coming off the bench, Orexati. Almeida shows that you have to play at this intensity. You have to go out there and give everything you got for this club. And that's, it's just an amazing mentality. It's just an amazing, uh, uh, team culture that, that he's built and how this team is coming together. It, it I mean, they were still trying to score in the, in the, before um, those subs were made, still pushing forward. Like, it wasn't enough to just get four goals. Like, we're going to try to score more. Not that we want to embarrass or destroy Panathinaikos, but, like, we want to keep playing football. We want to keep getting, you know, and as fans, we want to keep getting entertained. It was um, it, it was something else to see. Um, you know, let me mention about Amrabat. He had a tremendous game. I think the fans ended up voting him MVP. Uh, just one of those players, man, that, you know, old school like players that you that you could tell soon as they put on a jersey they're gonna give everything because that's just their personality i'm gonna give everything i want to compete i'm a winner i want to try to go out there and do the best i can for my team again some of his play sometimes kind of can be exhausting or his style of play but that's the guy's style of play i mean you know, there, there's not much you can do about that. For me personally, I would love to see Fernandez get a start over on that uh, right side to play kind of that winger role. Because um, I just want to see more of what Fernandez can do. But, um, you know, Amrabat was just... You could tell it, guys. You could see it when, when players go out there and they, and they give everything. And I love players like that. Maybe I'm just old school... I love players that give everything, and especially him. If you guys remember over the summertime, all the controversy with him kind of not wanting to be here anymore. And I mean, who blames him? The, the way the culture of the club was a year ago compared to now is completely different. And Almeida sat down and talked to him for two minutes, you know. I mean, not two minutes, two hours, pardon, um, and changed his mind. I mean, this guy just... And to put forth this this passion that he has and this intensity and that he's going to do whatever the manager asks him to do and he's going to give it 110% whenever he steps out on the pitch. It's just wonderful to see. 
um, like I said, we could have gotten more goals in the second half. And then, uh, you know, Pineda, there's been a lot of talk about Pineda. Um, my personal opinion, okay, I would never want um, a team to go down into the second division, but I think Ike's chances of... There's, there's two things at play, I think, with Pineda, or three. Let's name three things. One, where does Celta end up? Or Celta, whichever name you prefer. Where do they end up? They're hovering above relegation right now in Spain. Uh, but if, you know, I would never wish this on any club. I don't care how much I dislike them or how much I want Pineda to, to come on the cheap or Pineda to come off um, their books. If, let's say, God forbid, they fall into the second division of Spain, um, then that's number one. It becomes easier to try to go after Pineda because is a player going to want to go back to Spain and play in the second division? Number two, actually, let's flip-flop these. Number one is Pineda's desire. What does Pineda want? Does Pineda want to go back to Spain? Will they speak his native language, you know, Spanish? I know, I know Spanish from Spain and Mexican Spanish is a little bit different, but, you know, whatevs. A no-brainer. Anyone would want to go play in La Liga rather than Greece. But the third point to this is, is this Pineda want to play European football? Because right now it looks like Celta is not going to make European football. And that's very big. If Ike can get... To um, to a place where we're at least playing in the Europa Qualifications League or even the Champions League, and we could say, "Listen, we have an opportunity here where you can play in the Champions League." You know, stay, sign a contract, stay for one more season. Let's make some noise in Europe, and then you can go wherever you want. Um, it's going to be very key, but at the same time, even though there's all this talk about Pineda, and like I always love to say and how I've said from the beginning of this podcast, Pineda doing Pineda things that we just absolutely love. Uh, we can survive without him. You know, we're still we're still missing Eliasson, Gatsinovich, uh, still missing a lot of players. So, uh, but only Pineda can answer those questions. And that's, you know, if, if we can give him European football, another big key here is that he's played the best football on, of his career. I remember this being said before we, we were able to sign him alone with Almeida. He loves playing for Almeida. Almeida was a big pull. Obviously, if Almeida was not at Ike, he would not have joined us, um, to state the obvious. But Almeida has big pull here. And maybe with Almeida signing a contract, being like, look, I'm going to be here. And if in private, he's like, you know, I'm at least going to be here two more years. That makes a big difference. And that makes a pull for both bringing Pineda bringing that other young uh, Bosnian-American kid that we're trying to get from the earthquakes, pulling all these players and making all these players actually want to stay and play football and then also pulling players from everywhere else. If you have a, if you have a manager like this and, you know, it really, really helps. But let's see what happens at the end of the season. That's when everything's going to be measured. Um, as far as I'm hearing the chatter from inside Ike is that they're going to do whatever they can aside from you know, paying felt a hundred million euros or some crazy amount. Uh, they're going to do whatever we're, they're going to go after. Definitely go after Pineda, uh, during the summer transfer window. Um, but that's it in the match. Uh, just a, a performance where 
And I think most of the performances for this club this year have been like, we don't want this to end. We do not want this game to end. You can't wait for the next time to see Ike. I mean, I know it's an inferior opponent coming up this Wednesday, but I can't wait to watch Ike this Wednesday take on Pansaraikos. I'm going to try to work some some little some magic with work and whatnot to try to watch some of that match hopefully fingers crossed um and then we got a tough game against Onikos coming I'll talk about that here in a little bit uh but cannot wait I'm glad we're having this you know uh cup match in the middle of the week because I don't know guys I don't know about you guys but I, I I can't wait to watch I it's like a week feels like an eternity honestly till the next match all right, let me move on and talk about kind of our opponents because this Sunday, especially guys, from our match being so early and being done with um, and actually, honestly, having a positive result really helps. Um, I was able to catch kind of our opponents this weekend. I think Balk playing on Saturday. So I was able to watch a little bit of each game. Um, let me talk about... Before I talk about that, Actually, let me talk about the Panathinaikos game first. And then I'll get into my discussion and my thoughts of, of, of VAR. Um, Panathinaikos should have dropped points like everyone else in Yanina. Uh, Yanina, for some reason, parked the bus against Panathinaikos. Something they didn't do against Ike and, and, and Olympiakos. And it took literally a last-second penalty on, the, on literally the last... If that defender for Yanana was able to clear the ball, um, Panathinaikos would have lost two points there, and we would be talking today about how we're two points behind uh, Panathinaikos. Um, but they were able to get the result. Uh, a few things on the penalty and on VAR. Not to state the obvious, guys, but, you know, VAR has really changed our lives um, ever since it's come into football. You know, we all thought, especially Greek football fans, thought that this was just going to change the game. We thought that it was going to make things so much better. It was going to, you know, clean up the game. <laughs> uh, it can't be further from the truth. Listen, one thing I will say, one thing that makes football beautiful is that is there is a human element in the game. And refereeing, for whatever reason, it... it it's not always black and white. It's not always fair. It's not always by the book. What's a penalty for one person's not a penalty for the other. What I'm doing right here, guys, I'm taking, I'm trying to take off my yellow and black sunglasses and really, or yellow and black, yellow and black glasses and look at things a little, with a little bit of a broader perspective as, as just a football fan overall. And especially over the last couple of years that I've really been able to sit down and watch games from the big leagues in Europe to the big leagues all over the world and then watching the World Cup just a few weeks ago, um, we saw that VAR has changed the game everywhere. And, you know, in slow motion, it can make something look worse than what it is. I personally, I know there's been like reporters that have come out and said it's a penalty. Panathinaikos fans are saying it's a penalty. Panathinaikos is an organization put out a statement Dear God, how horrible does that make you look? Putting out a statement that the refereeing was terrible, which, all right, side note, I have to admit, watching most of these Super League matches, and 
um, I can't say that the refereeing was, was great. Um, not that I think the bigger teams were getting results or getting calls their way. Just in general, it was terrible. Um, and I don't think unless Greece, Apple, the clowns that run Apple, really enforce strict financial penalties on referees and really put them through a good training course and call out all the stuff that's happening behind the scenes of Greek football. Is that ever going to change? Um, but VAR has just changed the way we we see the match. For me personally, it wasn't a penalty. I saw two players that, I mean, he had his, his back... The defender had his back against the attacking Panathinaikos player. I mean, like with and trying to clear the ball, and the Panathinaikos player practically ran into the the leg of the of the defender. So what are you supposed to do? Like I I saw it the way the referee had initially saw it, and then but when you play it on instant replay, yeah, it's gonna look bad. Yeah, it's gonna look like he he tripped him. Is does that mean like any trip, any like situation like that, any battle for the ball? is going to be given a penalty nowadays? I guess it does. But how is that a penalty and then in other matches? I think there was a, there was an instance in our match where that happened. I think the foul was committed on Amnabat, if I'm not mistaken. It was either Amnabat or Levy Garcia, and the penalty was not given. That's what drives me crazy. And I get that I'm contradicting myself here, and I'm kind of being hypocritical from the words that I just said, that refereeing has to have a... a a human element to it, but it also has to be across the board. What I would like to see, and maybe, you know, this is my American mind at work, and people are not going to like this idea from Europe, is that I think they should have one central VAR station run by the Federation, as horrible as that sounds, dear God, that sounds horrible, for Epo to be running it, like, kind of like you see in American football, the NFL does, uh, where the, the VAR calls, let's say, would come from people from the Federation. That way, I know that referees are part of the Federation, but uh, that way there could be more of a central place of attack. Like, this is on you, Apple. <laughs> you know what I mean? Um, anyway, but Panathinaikos were able to, their luck kind of continues, even though it started to kind of run out a little bit. Um, Pauk lost points, and Ofi. I did say this about Paco Nogibacos last week, that I wanted to see them against better opponents. How were they going to fare? Uh, because everyone had started talking about how they were gaining momentum, how they were playing better football, which it is true. I mean, Paco didn't play bad. Um, they, gosh, I can't believe I'm saying this. They deserved to win. Um, and they had a chance. They both teams had a chance to win at the at the very end of the match. Uh, Oliveira, ex-Ike player, uh, had a nice shot, was trying to put it like lower 90 uh, away from the keeper, and the keeper just made a tremendous save. I mean, just a very, very nice save by the young Ofi keeper. Um, and then Pauk were pushing, really wanting to get that goal to get all, all three points. And Ofi countered, and I mean... If the guy hadn't shot the ball that hard and it went off the post, it kind of went off the post and bounced and kind of bounced out. If it had went off the post and bounced in, we'd be talking about Balk uh, losing at home to Offie, to an Offie team that's playing great. I honestly looked at the schedule and I was like, I'm kind of glad we're not playing Offie anytime soon. 
um, they've really have found their form over the last few games, uh, and big ups to them to get, uh, those points, um, get the, get that point in Thessaloniki and really coming off the bottom. Um, so, Olympiacos, uh, move on to Olympiacos. They looked better, I know. I mean, them and Adis have just been two of the trickiest teams to predict this season. Uh, they were able to get a massive win. It was the first derby win of the season. Um, Adi, they didn't look good in the first half. Adi were honestly, to me, the better team of the first half. And if it wasn't for... Uh, what I thought was going to be a bad call, a bad call by VAR, but then watching the replay, the guy was offsides. Uh, Adi was able to take the lead. Um, I didn't watch most of the second half. I just watched the last few minutes. To me, and from what people said on the radio, Olympiacos were a better team in the second half. Um, still don't understand why they're playing uh, three number 10s in the midfield. I guess it's just, you know, you have to play who you have to play. Obviously, you got to play Fortunis. He's been on fire the past few matches. Uh but it continues, you know, it was a win that Olympiacos got. They're also playing Adi in the cup this week. And that's that's another big point I want to make real quick is that all these teams are playing, all our opponents are playing difficult games in the in over the weekend. And how, especially how the draw actually fell was Olympiacos is going to be playing Adi. So they play Adi in the, in the league. They're playing Adi in the cup this coming week. And they're going to play the the second leg the next following week. So, both both of our opponents have rough games where we, yes, I'm not going to, I don't want to look past them, but we do have a two-legged uh, affair against Panzaraikos, which is much easier than anyone else. And then you have next weekend, actually starting this this coming week, you have Panathinaikos Pahok. I think the, f- the first cup game is in Tumba, I want to say, and then... On Sunday, they have the league game in Foros against uh, Pauk, which is really going to be interesting to see the fallout from that. Either, you know, it's uh, for Ike, I think we should just focus on on winning our game against the Onyikos. It's going to be a very difficult match. But uh, just to take advantage of of whatever the fallout is is there, I'm not going to say that I'm going to pull for Pauk to beat Panathinaikos, but whatever the fallout is there... um, It'll be a good result for Ike. And then Atromitos was playing better. Olibekos has to travel to Pedisteri and play Atromitos, which is always a tough place to play, as we Ike fans know and as fans of bigger teams. Atromitos was playing better football, but this weekend they drew 1-1 with La Mia. Um, so I don't really know what form they're, uh, they're going to be in. Um, but the big big matchup is going to be uh let's see what happens in this Pak Panathinaikos match um because it is it could have you know it um to move things a little forward and I know I've talked about this at nauseum over the course of the podcast uh really just feel like everything's going to come down to the playoffs and Teams are going to start beating up on each other. You're going to see lead changes. I I believe you're going to see lead changes at the top. Um, now, at the end of the day, will we come out on top? Will Panathinaikos keep this? I don't know. It's very unpredictable. And I have to say, this has been the funnest season to watch Greek football in a long, long time. 
uh, I cannot remember it being this competitive where you have Ike and Panathinaikos, you know, Panathinaikos leading most of the way since the beginning of the season. Ike kind of keeping being right behind them. And then you have, well, now you have Olympiacos and Pauk that are, yes, they're seven, eight points behind. But again, we have the playoffs where I think teams are going to start beating up on each other. Uh, Adi did seem like they were playing a little bit better. Obviously, Olympiacos are playing better. Falk is starting to play better. So it's going to be very interesting. Uh, you know, I mean, Falk could be a sleeper team. Gosh, I can't believe I'm saying that. If You know, I know, like, fans have their own opinions. I don't believe that. And I want to reiterate that I still believe this. I want to see more out of Olympiacos and, and, and Falk. And I want to see how Falk are going to play in Lofotos. Um... I want to see how Libercos are going to play when, they're, when their derby starts. We've got Adi coming to Philadelphia the following um, week. So there's a lot that's going to be going on. There's a lot of teams that are going to drop points. Uh, it just makes it very exciting, very interesting in this Super League season. Like I said, I cannot. I'm, I'm trying to really think hard as I'm talking to think about another season where it's been this close. I mean, the year we won the championship was close, but... Not very, very close. Um, yes, one thing. I'm going to take it back. I'm going to finish that statement now. Take it back to Almeida. I mean, look, guys. Even if we don't win the championship this year. Even if we don't win any trophies. It's a, it's a massive win for Ike. It's a massive win in the sense that we have a manager that has this team playing attractive, entertaining football. We're being entertained by Ike. You know, better. I mean, this team is... I know the budget was lower then and... You know, and we did win a championship that championship year, but you can't say, I mean, this team would blow that team out of the water. Uh, one thing with Jimenez that I remember, even though we were happy to get the championship and then he even came back a few too many times, as we remember, um, we never saw entertaining football with Jimenez. Uh, it was always, you know, um, it was always actually kind of like Panathinaikos is playing with Jovanovic right now. You know, smaller budget. We had the same manager, which which helped. Um, we were able to to win games. You know, the, the bottom line was we we won games, which that's another thing I like about Almeida and hate. I feel like I'm having a Almeida love fest. Um, this podcast. He's not scared to change up his tactics, which is something that. I love in any type of manager slash coach in any sport because when you're willing to evolve or when you're willing to see the strengths and weaknesses of your of your of your team, uh, that's very eye opening and that shows how far ahead you are as a coach. Because some coaches will say, "No, this is how I want to play." Remember, guys, at the beginning of the season, Almeida came in wanting to play three at the back, and he quickly saw that that wasn't working. He changed it up. Um, I would like Almeida to just at some points like, and uh, sorry, I got a little tongue twisted. He's also not afraid to change up his style to get results against Panathinaikos. And I heard this from Panathinaikos fans all day yesterday because Ike fans, you know, were calling the radio complaining about, you know, quita, bosquetizante, da, da, da. And then I hear Panathinaikos fans say, oh yeah, you didn't see that balada against us last week. Yes, but Ike are missing pieces. 
And before I forget, yes, guys, big news um, coming out of the I camp this weekend that, that someone had um, had said, and it came all over all the Ike streams, um, that beginning of February, Ilyason and Gatsinovich should both be ready to practice. That's very big to get them both back before the playoffs, hopefully, uh, and just have them at least match fit. And if they can just be half of themselves um, for the time of the playoffs, to get both of those big pieces back from, for the playoffs is, would, would be massive. And hopefully, fingers crossed, kind of with Stavromas, everything goes well, that they... Um, they're able to come into the team and then and, and contribute and be the same players they were before they before injury. Um, so that's massive, massive news uh, coming through the I camp. But to get back to my other point, Almeida is not afraid to switch up his tactics to win it to win a game. Obviously, we didn't have this crazy press last week against Panathinaikos. Um, you know, we didn't play the same style. But, but listen. You're not going to play Panathinaikos yo-yo, as they say. Um, you're not going to sit there and, press and, and constantly press them because Panathinaikos can hit very well on the counter, uh, something that other teams can't do. Bauk, for example, when I was watching their game, uh, I think our strategy when we play them again is going to be the same as it was in the other field. We keep pressure on them. I mean, I saw Alfie pressuring Bauk players. I feel like Bauk is... is they have a good midfield. They have good finishers up front. They have uh, struggle sometimes scoring, but their defenders are too are too slow, and their midfield is improving. I think that that young player they got in that young Greek player they have in um, midfield is really improving them. But uh, I saw Alfie just just press them, and it and it, you know, this is Alfie we're talking about, not to demean Alfie, but they're not Ike, and they were able to 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 kind of disrupt Bauk's flow during the match. Um, you're going to, and, that, and that's part of the strategy. That's part of the chess match, chess match of watching managers go up against each other and watching a manager kind of work their magic and, and really put work in the, in the scouting out their, their opponent because you're trying to figure out how to beat the other guy. And when you're, when you're, when you're doing what Ike is doing right now, to be in a championship hunt, there's going to be matches where that's going to be key. You're going to have to change that. Um, I think going to the Unicos game really quickly, guys, I didn't expect this podcast to go this long, but hey, it's okay. I hope you guys love listening to this. Ionikos, um, you know, obviously they're going to pay. They're going to play very close. They're going to play very like park the bus style. Um, I can see Van Witt being a, a big key in this game if we don't get an early goal just to get him into the second half and just, you know, he can, he, I think he's just a good in-the-box player where you give him an opportunity and he can put it away. Um, not to say that Levy can't do that, but you guys know what I'm talking about. Um, anyway, guys, let me say Skurazualo. Opospanda, Forzae, Gara. Um, hope everyone has a great week. Enjoy that Pansaraikos match. I might be back before the weekend to discuss a little more about uh, Ionikos. 
and Nike match coming up in Nikkei. Like I said, I don't think it's going to be one of those games where we're going to go in there and win five nil. It's going to be a kind of grinded out match unless we can get a we can get a quick goal, then things can change. Because um, the team from Nikia being bottom of the table really need uh, really really need points. Anyway, guys, have a good week. I hope everyone enjoyed the balada this weekend. Que pues panda, forza e cara, que te texan la puma.